it's so good to be here again. Two and a half years since we were here. We, so much has happened. I, I can't even begin to tell you everything, and so I won't. <laughs> but we would love to spend some time. I have all day. No hurry today. So if you want, if you want to talk with us, and we thank you so much for your prayer and support. Um, I'll have more to say about what the Lord's doing over in France a little bit later. We're going to do a little two-part thing here. I'd like to preach. The word first, we'll go to God's word, but um, I return in 10 days, and um, I really can't wait to get back. It's, it's been a challenging time, of course, in the U.S. right now for, for us and for many of us as well, but it's been challenging for personal reasons, and I thank you all for praying for those of you who knew about um, my father's situation, my mother, and as she adjusts to uh, not having my my dad around anymore, and, and then I have a lot of responsibility there as well. I'm, I'm a fils unique, as they say in Fran- France, a, a, an only child. So um, um, I, uh, I appreciate your prayer as well. The French often say la vie est très compliquée, right? La life is complicated sometimes, but uh, God is always there in these times with us. He's faithful. He gives us strength. And uh, for that, we are so grateful. I think I'll leave a few minutes for questions, too, maybe after I'm, I'm done uh, today. Um, Carmen is wish, wishes she could have been here, but as she had to go back to France, she had an important meeting with the immigration uh, folks uh, to get her um, titre de séjour, her ability to her residence car to stay in France for another year, and my meetings in June. Um, actually, we've been approved. We just have to be there in person to, to pick everything up and pay, of course. <laughs> Always pay the bureaucracy of France, but uh, we, we're, we're doing that, but we have to be there in person. So I'll be back in time for that. The Lord was good in timing all of that as well. You know, in the blessings, in, in the difficulties, there's always the blessings, right? of the Lord, and he just seems to go before us and, and make those things um, easier than we think they could be. So uh, let's go to God's Word. I'm going to read a very familiar passage from Mark chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, or if you have a Bible in the pew, I actually have one of the Bibles that's in the pew, so it's on page 839 if you have one of those, but it's Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. It's very familiar about the storm that Jesus calmed, and um, I'd like to read. It's only about uh, seven verses, six verses, through the end of uh, verse 41. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him. They they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, "Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing?" And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the sea. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. 
And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the time we can have together to, to, to worship you, to see who you are through your word, Lord. And we pray that you would bless this time, Lord, that you would grow us in your grace and in our faith through your word, through the Spirit working through your word today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as we continue to make progress uh, opening back life, you might say, after uh, 16 months since, what, about February of 2020, we know that it's been a time that, of course, none of us will forget. Uh, every year has its share of challenges, of course, in our families, with our jobs, at school, perhaps our health. Uh, it's likely that no one here today will, fa- will not face some sort of unexpected challenge in the remainder of this year or, of course, in the years to come. Those things come up on us. No time in life is ever without those unexpected difficulties. Just because we enter uh, the opening up phase of, uh, of the COVID-19 situation, this, this doesn't mean that suddenly we're free from the challenges that, that God uses really to shape our lives and to grow our faith. Uh, But when we come to times like these, sometimes life feels out of control. I'm sure you've felt that way probably in the last 16 months or so at times. We want to have peace. We want to have certainty. uh, But God wants us to have faith and trust and confidence in him. And to be quite honest, it's it's difficult for us to trust God fully all of the time. Times of weak faith do not mean we we have no faith at all in our Lord. This does not mean that we do not love our Lord and strive to follow him, follow him daily. But the difficulty some days is following him with all, right, our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. We allow doubt and anxiety to replace, in part at least, the rule of God over our lives. And aren't you glad, though, in those times? Aren't you glad that God is gracious to us in times like those? He doesn't cast us out when we do not trust him fully in those times of doubt or anxiety. He doesn't Throw us off the boat, right, so to speak. Just because our our faith suffers times of weaknesses. And we will see the same thing today with the disciples here in this little passage that you're all so familiar with. Today I've actually entitled the sermon, not too hard, but who is in our boat? Who is in our boat? This is a metaphor, of course, for saying who is living with us? Who is with us? Who is in us? Who's by our side as believers all of the time? Who's in control of our lives and watches over our world 
Is he just a man? Or is the almighty, all-powerful God who controls all things? Of course, most of us know the answer to these questions. We believe the answer to these questions. But knowing the answers and, and always living the answer out in our lives, it's, not, it's sometimes difficult. It was today for the disciples, as we saw, in the, as we see in the passage. So today's passage should help us put our faith in the God whom we know is the God of all creation. The more we understand who Jesus really is, the less we tend to, we'll tend to fear when we face those difficult times, those difficult circumstances, and the more our faith will grow. Uh, knowing the character of God and his Son, Jesus Christ, is a vital key to growing in our faith and to have a vibrant faith. Let, let me say that again. Knowing the character of God and his Son is a vital key to our growing and vibrant faith. So let us be reminded today that we have put our faith in the very ruler of all creation so that we need not fear when we face the difficult circumstances, which are sure to come every year, every year of our lives. I don't know about you, but the last 16 months has been a very busy time, full of life-shaping challenges and blessings as well. I was just remarking to Daniel earlier how the the, the difficulties and the blessings have come together so often in our lives over the last two years or so. Um, but I think more so in this time than in maybe, quote, normal times. The month that uh, the, the COVID situation began in, to hit the news and began in earnest in our lives in February of 2020, Carmen and I had to come back just before that to to move my parents to an assisted living apartment. My father had planned to move for several years, but in, up until that point, he had put it on hold. But we had done some work up front. We knew where they would move eventually. But he was getting very weary, very tired. And for what we thought had been many years, half a dozen years at least, of giving my mother care. He was a caregiver for my mother who suffers from uh, vascular dementia, who suffers from dementia and other health problems. And little did we know, however, at that time, that this extreme, and he called it, when I talked to him on the phone, he said, a deep fatigue. Little did we know at that time that it was actually the first signs of a still undiagnosed cancer. It was a very aggressive and very difficult form of cancer to treat. But the Lord gave Carmen and I the strength in that February, not the one we just passed, but the one before, to help them move. And what a blessing that turned out to be, right? Because literally three weeks later, everything shut down. And they would have been home at their home with my dad, sick. We didn't know at the time he was sick, but all of those things that would have been a weight. And so that was a blessing. So, But we went back to uh, Mississippi, where my mother grew up and where they lived in their retirement years. 
And for 20 straight days, 14 to 16 hours a day, we move them. Anybody been through that before? <laughs> I know you have. We sold their, well, we helped prepare to sell the home. And we tried to get them settled into their new home and uh, into their much now smaller living conditions. By the way, my, my dad was a civil engineer and he worked all over the world, so they had beautiful, beautiful things from all over the world. And we practically gave them all away. Just things, but, you know, that was hard. In fact, it was one of the hardest things I ever did in my life. Not the things, but just all the work. <laughs> a couple of nights, I just cried. I was so exhausted and emotional and fatigued. In challenging times like these, we sometimes want to stop, and we want to run to a place where there's calm. I often find myself thinking during these challenging times, if only I could escape to a calm place, everything would be fine. Perhaps I could go down to the beach or uh, to a mountain chalet dans les Alpes, right, in the Alps. <laughs> then all my problems would disappear, right? No, we all know that's not the case. But we still have this unrelenting search for calm in life. This unrelenting search for calm in life. And we, we actually see this somewhat in the first two verses of our Passage, verse 35 and 36. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, that's Jesus, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. Now this was at the end of a very busy day for Jesus, and he taught many parables near the seashore that day. In fact, the crowds were crushing in on him so much that they put him out in a boat, just off the, the beach, so that he could teach from that boat. So Jesus comes to the end of this day, and he asks the disciples to join him in the boat and to head off to the other side. They're going from west to east here, across the Sea of Galilee, perhaps for some rest, although, as you see, Jesus very rarely got time to rest because other boats were following him at the same time. Jesus was not going across the sea as much as he, his human nature may have wanted the calm and tranquility, right? The tranquility. He wasn't going there to do that. We know that when he reached the other shore, he immediately faced a legion of demons and the man in the tombs and a bunch of folks from the Decapolis, some Gentiles, that didn't really know what to do about this man who was God. There's rarely a time of calm and peace and tranquility for Jesus. In fact, in this section of Mark's gospel, in the space of about three chapters, we see Mark shows Jesus in all his challenges of life and ministry. He shows his power over man's diseases, his rule over their hearts, as he tells the parable of the soils, his dominion over other created beings, and now in our passage, we see Jesus has this awesome power over creation itself. The animate and inanimate creation of all things. Which brings us to ask the question that the disciples ask at the end in verse 41. Who is in our boat? Who is this in our boat? 
Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Mm-hmm. That's right, the sea. The meh. Who is it? Is it the man who just showed his power over human disease? Is it the man who prepares the soils of men's heart to trust in him? Is it the man who controls all created being, angels, Satan himself even? Is it the man who controls the very wind and the sea, who controls all of nature? And the answer to these questions seem obvious to us now, right? Now that God has opened our eyes to see his son with unveiled hearts, But Mark wants us all to ask ourselves this question often in our hearts, I believe. Who exactly is this man who who lives in me, who is there with me in all my life? In all the storms and in all the times of peace and tranquility and calm. That'd be calm in English. He's in charge of all things. Nothing, can I repeat? Nothing. Shall I repeat? Nothing. Nothing is excluded from his all-powerful, all-sovereign, all-knowing control. Now, if I were one of the disciples, I'd sure be glad I had Jesus in the boat that night. One would think so, right? But we get to verse 37. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. In our relenting search for calm in our lives, we know sometimes we experience those unexpected storms. Excuse me, in our unrelenting search for calm, we experience those unexpected storms which occur in life. In 2001, Carmen and I had the privilege of studying in Israel for about three weeks, and we actually were on a boat right in this portion of the Sea of Galilee. And when you look around toward the north, west, and east, especially on the north side of the sea, there's great high mountains. We would call them hills, but they're really mountains. They go up to 3,000 feet, and the Sea of Galilee is down at 700 feet below sea level, one of the lowest places on earth. So... The winds come off the desert and off the Mediterranean, and they run down there, and they cause these these storms at times. Listen, believer, our lives, they ride on the sea. Sometimes it's not tranquil. Just the last two months, just as an example, I found out a couple of my really good friends um, during my time when we lived in L.A., or sick, and one has actually gone home to be with the Lord. And it was very unexpected, of a sickness that was unexpected. So these times are not always uh, something we know. They come suddenly and they come unexpectedly, like this storm did. Until the fallen world is restored by our Savior, there will be storms. We should expect them. The Apostle Paul's The apostles Paul and Peter often remind us that that's the case. But at times, we we get caught off guard in those unexpected difficulties. We we still let fear, right, right along with faith. And, And our faith should be looking toward the Lord, who is 
right there, right there. These unexpected storms remind us that God makes all things new, that he will always, until he makes all things new, he'll, he'll carry us along. Sometimes more, sometimes less, we believe that he's there with us. But sometimes at times like these, the sort of the unbelieving nature of our hearts comes up during the storms. In our unrelenting search for calm in life, we will experience unexpected storms. And up from the depths of our souls, sometimes will come this, this unbelieving nature of our hearts during these storms. And we, and we kind of see this in the, the, the disciples here in verse 38 and 40. Verse 38, but he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And in verse 40, He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Now, believer, if you're a believer here today, we have a new nature. Behold, Corinthians, right? All things are new. I think it's Corinthians, yes. He gives us new life. He gives us a new nature. We trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in his work on the cross, and we are made new. He gives us the fruit of the Spirit, which includes peace, love, joy, peace, despite circumstances. Not despite, but with those circumstances, we might say. However, we have that shadow sometimes of that old man, which is not completely removed from our life in totality yet. I mean... If you're a kid here, or even if you're an adult, you would remember because we got a lot more snow when we were when we were kids. We'd go out, right, and we'd lay down in the snow like we were gone, like we were dead. We may make a snow angel, right? And then we get up, we'd be alive again, right? Risen, new nature, we'd go away, but what's left behind? The shadow. The shadow of the snow angel in the snow. Well, that's the old nature, the remnant. That's the remnant right there of the old nature. Sometimes shows up in those storms, in those snowstorms. In Jesus' life, however, that's not the case. In verse 38, we see a beautiful picture of a man who has never sinned. Jesus is sleeping solidly during a raging storm with no fears. He has perfect faith in the Father. He's at perfect peace. Life is tranquil for him in the midst of the storm. I feel very blessed that I sleep really hard. In fact, one of our fellow fire pastors who I did a lot of teen camps with over the years out in the Pacific Northwest, he said, Keith, you're a really fast sleeper, which means I sleep really hard and really fast. And I sleep, and when I wake up, I'm ready to go. But I never sleep like this. <laughs> I never sleep like this. If this storm worried Peter and Andrew and James and John, all experienced fishermen, if they thought they were going to perish, 
then we know it was a what a grand, a great a great storm, a grand storm. In fact, the Greek word here is where we get our word mega from. It's a mega storm. But Mark adds one really important detail in verse 38. The disciples didn't just wake up Jesus and inform him that they were perishing. No, look at what they said. He was sleeping in the stern, asleep on the cushion. They woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care? Do you not care that we are perishing? Ouch. Man, that really that really hurts. Do you not care? The very one who loves them and protects them and teaches them and guides them, they ask him if he really cares. We never do that, do we? Do you care, Lord, that we have been inconvenienced the last 16 months? Do you care, Lord, that things are really tough at work? You care, Lord, that I've lost my job due to the economy. And my son lost his job for a few months as well. Do you care, Lord, about all these things that are going on? And we could go on and on. Do you care? These challenges in life. These challenges in life are, are a sign that are not a sign that God does not care, but they they are actually present with us in times of life, just so we can learn how much He really does care for us. Listen to what the Scripture says about God caring for us. Psalm ninety four nineteen says. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. You console me to the point where not only are my cares lifted, but there's that joy. There's that inner joy. There's that cheer in my life. That's that Two things at once that we always see, right? The, the joy and the sorrow at the same time. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting a couple of things you're worried about on him. For, no. Casting all. Don't you love that word, all? All your anxieties on him. For he cares. He cares for you. He cares for you. We know God cares for us. His word is very clear on that point. Not one hair drops from our head without his knowledge. He cares for every detail of our lives. He also cares for his disciples at this very moment. In fact, he's there with them because he cares with them so much. He's heading to the cross. 
to die for their sins, to save them, and they will never perish, ever. Now, their bodies will, but their souls will be reunited one day, we know, with a new glorified body, and he, they will never perish. They will never perish. Second Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness, but he is patient toward you not wishing that any should perish so that all should reach repentance. All that he calls will never perish, but will come to repentance and faith and be justified by the grace of God. One of all of our favorite verses of those of us who love the the preserving and Grace of the Lord is John 10, verse 27 and 28. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, for no one will snatch them out of my hand. We may be people of little faith at times, just like the disciples were in the boat. We may have fears because our faith is weak at times, but God will never let us go. He has called us to follow him. He will hold on to us. As the song says, he will hold us fast. I cry every time I hear that song, by the way. He will hold us fast. He will cause our faith to grow and our fears to shrink. He will calm our fears and bring peace to our anxious hearts. Not necessarily because of what he does, although we know he has done and continues to do great things, in our lives, but he will calm our fears in the face of difficult circumstances because of who he is. And we see this in verse 39. And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and the sea and said, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Here we see the unshakable nature of the one who gave us life. I often hear on the streets in France, uh, mothers telling their young ones uh, this very same thing, be still. In French, it's tais-toi. Shh, be quiet. And actually in Greek, it's more like shush, quiet, tais-toi, be still. Have you ever been on a sea or on a body of water when it was totally calm? I remember many years ago, I I went fishing in a small boat out in the Gulf of Mexico with one of Carmen's brothers who had a boat. He had a boat. He said the two greatest days in his life were the day he bought his boat and the day he sold his boat. Um, So, uh, but at the time he had a boat and we went 20 miles out, 20 miles where the oil rigs are. And it was perfectly calm. It's the Gulf of Mexico. And, uh, you know, Boudreaux and Thibodeau down there in Louisiana would say, uh, you know, I can hear the mosquito. I can hear the mosquito land on the water, right? It's, it's so calm. A deep calm. Now, we certainly must understand that Jesus is the perfect man, as we see sleeping in the back of the boat during the storm because he's tired, he had a busy day. However, Mark wants us to come to the conclusion that the man in the back of the boat is not only a man, but he is God, fully God, 
He's the one who is able to deliver us from all our sin, from our unrighteousness, from our times of weak faith and doubt. Philippians 4, 8 and 9, you know, all, you know this verse, but let's hear it again. Do not be anxious. Do not be worried about anything. Excuse me. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known by God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love this verse because in Philippians here, we'll notice that it's not the answers to our prayers which give us peace. Paul does not say, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And when he answers them, then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. What guards our hearts and minds? Giving our cares to the Lord in prayer. Casting our fears, our difficulties, our troubles to him. The mere fact that we bring our cares to the great God of the universe, this is what rids us of our anxieties and calms our fears. It is not what what God does for us, but he, he does great things. I couldn't even count the number of things he He's done for me just in the last two months. But it is who God is. It is trust in his unmistakable, unshakable nature that causes our faith to grow and our fears to flee. Finally, what about our response? What about our response? Verse 41. They were filled with great fear. This is a different kind of fear than they had before. This is a, an awe. And they said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This was not a fear of being in a boat in the storm, but this was a, uh, an awe, an awesomeness, an awesome fear which really manifested itself throughout their lives then in worship of the Creator and of His Son. They were, they were starting to see Jesus as not only the man they lived with and followed and learned from His teaching, but they were struck by the reality that Jesus was the very God of all creation. He literally has the whole world in His hands. Let that thought give you peace. When the world, when our world, seems upside down on the raging sea. Here in verse 41, then, we see the unmistakable answer to the fears of life. When our unrelenting search for calm in life is met with unexpected storms in life, the unbelieving nature of a heart sometimes come forth, comes forth. We turn our eyes to the unshakable nature of the one who gives us life. And right there in that place, in worshiping God for who he is, in that place we find the unmistakable answer to our fears. Of life. Our faith finds a resting place in the nature of God 
the ruler of all nature. At the very end of Mark's gospel, the centurion had just crucified the Lord on the cross, and Jesus had just given up his spirit, had just given himself over his humanness, his human uh, nature to, to death. And the centurion was facing him, and he saw it, and he answers the question that Mark often asks us. Who is this? In this case, in our passage, who's in the boat? Well, the centurion answers, right? Remember that? He says, truly this was the Son of God. God is in the boat. Let us remind ourselves each day, that we serve, we worship the very ruler of all creation, the very Son of God. And may our faith be strengthened for whatever lies before us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this day. Thank you for your word, Lord. Um, Thank you for the Son of God who is the very... God of all creation, creation, thank you that he calms our fears and our, our worries and anxieties, and he, he, he builds our faith by who he is, by his great and glorious nature, by his character, by his attributes, by his perfections. And so for this, we are so thankful in Christ's name.